Will there be a little ride on Space Mountain? What the fuck are you doing? This guy would flash you. You are dead. Crooked. Gonna write the car beef and cabbage. Straight OG brother, is that what you're saying? The coffee boy. I tried to apologize. What do you call him? You have lost it. Lost what? Your mind. A cockroach in my apple pie. But that can't always happen when one guy's wearing a recliner. WCW. <laughs> Sky rockets at night. Woo! Afternoon light. I will never interview you people again. I'm not a fish. You know why? You want to know why? Hello everyone and welcome to big episode number 40 of the Nitromania podcast. My name is Adam, I'm your host, and this is the show where every once in a while we find that needle in the haystack and something really great actually happens on one of these shows. Will this week be one of those weeks? Let's find out together. This is episode 40, meaning there is now one episode for every formula Norman Larson tried until he succeeded in making WD-40, one episode for each of Alibaba's thieves, and finally, finally, Rick Dees can finish his top 40 Nitromania episodes list. Also of note, because it's my show and I found it interesting, 40 is the only number whose name is spelled out in alphabetical order in English, and lastly... Because I've been waiting 10 goddamn months for this. Yo, 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 yo. Pop a 40 and check your rollies. It's Nitromania. I regret nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our Great American Bash Supersode. There's been so much going on leading up to this show. But before we get to any of that, let me bring in my guest this week. Joining me from the Tuning Japanese podcast only on the Questionable Endeavor Network. A guy who will, without any warning or pretense, just text me a weird meme or random joke and ask me if it's funny, and then usually get disappointed when I tell him that it's not. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the leopard, Bill is here. Hey, I did not realize it was episode 40. I would have uh, planned to drink accordingly. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Bill. As, as is, I just have some uh, Maker's Mark, so. Well, you know. Podcast juice is podcast juice. Yep, and that is my go-to. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Thank you for uh, for coming on this week. I do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, this is uh, this is the Great American Bash. This is not as bad as it's been in the past, but we'll get to that. Um, like I said, a lot has been happening the past few weeks. DDP won the Lord of the Ring last month, but was deemed unfit to actually fight for the title because fuck knows why, so they just randomly gave his title shot to Lex Luger. Conan is going to defend the United States Championship against some South American dipshit named Elgato. Uh, Dean Malenko will defend the U.S. title against Rey Mysterio Jr., and because he's in the main event, Lex Luger will not be defending the TV title or the tag titles with Sting tonight. Plus, something about two unnamed invaders from the North demanding some kind of tag team match? I don't know. So, with all that on the table, going into it, it seems like this could actually be a decent pay-per-view, which would be a nice change of pace on this show. Um, now, I don't know how much of the backstory that you knew, Bill, going into this, but what were your thoughts when you sat down to watch the show without having actually started the program? Uh, well, the only thing I really knew was uh, our two un unnamed invaders, um, and that alone is enough for me to go, 
all right, this ought to be not as painful as it could be. <laughs> um, I actually told Andy about this, uh, your former guest, my co-host, in uh, which he uh, called me a son of a bitch for getting a good one, whereas he had to put up with Halloween Havoc. He had to, he had to do two. He had uh, World War Three and uh, whatever the last one was. I already forgot. I thought, said it was Hall- I, thought it was, I thought it was Halloween Havoc. I could be wrong. Yeah. No, um, it was... Either way, though, it was not a good one. <laughs> yeah, he's been for two pretty pretty awful ones so far. Uh, but I do, I do thank him for struggling through. Um, okay. So it is Sunday, June 16th, Father's Day, 1996, and we are live from Baltimore, Maryland. This is the Baltimore Arena, originally known as the Baltimore Civic Center and now known as the Royal Farms Arena. And there have been a shitload of shows from this venue, from the WWWF in the 60s, to the most recent Halloween episode of Raw last year in 2017. Of note, before this event, the arena held the 1994 King of the Ring, won by Owen Hart. It has also held four previous Great American Bash events in 1988, 89, 90, and 91. Uh, it was also the home of Super Brawl 5, headlined by a WCW World Title match between Hulk Hogan and Vader that ended in a disqualification. So I'm sure that was a satisfying pay-per-view as well. But we open the show with a shaky camera Bobby Heenan promo promising that Arn Anderson and Ric Flair are ready for tonight. We get Macho and Green and Mongo. We get Flair and Anderson. So shaky. Lex Luger. We get Shaky Giant and then the logo. This is all accompanied by some great synthesizer music. Uh, we get Pyro and Shivani welcomes us to the arena. It is then time for the presentation of colors and our national anthem. Something. I, I was... Oh, sorry. I... Go ahead. I was going to say, I, it seems weird that we don't do national anthems anymore in wrestling. We don't televise them much. Well, as I was going to say, this is something that has never happened on a WCW pay-per-view that I've covered thus far. Oh, really? So maybe because it's Great American Bash they felt the need to do this, but uh, yeah, this is this has not happened before. Uh, Sergeant Craig presents the flag and they play the song over the PA system. Typical indie shit. Uh, Shivani then once again welcomes us. He is with Dusty, who is still wearing the red leather jacket that he wore last month, the one that, uh, if you'll remember, Bobby Heenan described as a recliner. Um, <laughs> Dusty does not look like he wants to be here at <laughs> all. He's, like, staring off to space. Yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, they discuss a few of the matches tonight and the challenge of war from those two unnamed fellows and something about the death of Dick Murdoch. Your opening contest tonight is a tag team match with a special stipulation... That special stipulation that there must be a winner. Okay. Uh, Fire and Ice is taking on the Steiner brothers. Scott starts with Ice Train and starts with a quick arm drag. They lock up again, back into the corner, and Train refuses to be hip-tossed. Remember what I said last week about Steiner and Booker T? This is four big guys just bashing into each other, but it's far less entertaining. Yeah, Um, no, the, the best part of this match overall... And that's much loose is just <laughs> how uh, gross some of these suplexes and, and uh, the <laughs> yeah. shoulder breaker. Some of this stuff is just looks terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scott Norton is in with Rick Steiner now an overhead belly to belly suplex gets a two count for Steiner. Rick tags back in Norton hits an ugly Samoan drop and Steiner rolls to the floor. Shivani then tells us that the first great American bash was in 1985 and now we're in 1996, which he says is 12 years later. So close. So (laughs) 
So close. Well, we got another Jim from uh, Dusty, too, because he I wrote this quote down because I had to. Awesome. <laughs> he goes, he wants to tag out. He can't. He's got to get a situation, too. Uh, yeah, no shit, Dusty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> He's just saying things. He does, yeah. <laughs> Ice Train crushes Scott Steiner in the corner, whips him across, and Steiner gets the boot up on the follow-in. Then a belly-to-belly for Ice Train, an Irish whip and a big clothesline by Steiner, and Train tags out. Steiner tries to suplex Norton and almost cripples him. Steiner goes for a dive. Norton catches him and slams him down for two. That was kind of impressive. Norton hits a shoulder breaker and then locks Steiner in an arm bar. Rick comes in to break it up and kicks Norton in the face about five times before the break actually happens. Uh, <laughs> a blind tag by Rick and he cleans house. There's a bunch of chaos and a botched Frankensteiner and Scott pins Scott for the victory. That was messy. It, it was. Every one of those. Um, that Frankensteiner didn't look so much like a Frankensteiner. As that he powerbombed himself. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, not. Uh, yeah, it was terrible. Not something that'll be, uh, that'll go on any highlight reels for sure. Uh, um, I also saw the, uh, or had the quote that uh, Rick Steiner is one of the oddest wrestlers around. And I'm just like, really? Oh, I, give it a few years. <laughs> I mean, granted, Rick Steiner's not, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, the chainmail for Scott Steiner, though, was an upgrade um, from the Tatanka mullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, oh boy. I got so much I got so much to look forward to on this show. <laughs> uh, mean Gene. Pull up your socks and get ready. Is backstage with Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan. He calls Jimmy Hart a Nathan Lane wannabe for some reason. Uh, Kevin promises to drag Benoit all over the building and lay something on him, quote-unquote. Very weird phrasing. <laughs> uh, U.S. title time, El Gato, the South American legend who is billed from Mexico, versus the champ, Conan. El Gato's music is odd. Yeah. <laughs> Introducing first the challenger from Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, El Gato! Elgato making his debut on a WCW pay-per-view spectacular. Of course, we saw him on the main event. You and Lee Marshall just a week ago saw this Elgato, and uh, he has a lot of quickness, but he's got to go up against a man who's red hot right now, U.S. Jack Conan. Yeah, and Elgato's reputation have preceded him, and uh, as you said, we, we took a look at him, but one of the, the, the great athletes in this whole country and, and, and this whole universe, if you will, all over the world is Conan. Conan enters. No, sorry. I was gonna say what. I said South American legend. That's what they said on Nitro uh, last week. On, on, is that why? Because I I just don't understand why Kitty Cat Mask shows up and immediately gets a title shot. <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. Yeah, last week on Nitro, they in in that uh, that awesome, very emotional Conan promo that I played during the episode uh, is when they announced they they called Conan uh, or called Elgato rather a South American legend. More on him. Uh, more on him later. Uh, but yeah, from Mexico, but whatever. <laughs> uh, Conan enters wearing a poncho and that stupid headgear. He has the U.S. title around his waist, and apparently he's still the Mexican champion as well because he's carrying that belt. If history has taught me anything, this will be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the best part of this match, uh, at least at the very beginning, is Dusty's play-by-play. Yeah, it was a quick arm drag, got him over, got up in the fighting position, had a good base, good stance, kicked him in the back. Kicked him in the back again. He sure did. He kicked him. Went to it. Oh, man. Drag takedown. How about that? 
That was a leg drag takedown. <laughs> Are we going to repeat each other, no. Mike? <laughs> no, but I was astonished that you knew what, what a leg drag. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, that's uh, pretty I, obvious when yeah. you drag the leg. Never mind. Uh, they do their flippy, jumpy shit. Dusty continues to attempt to do play-by-play. -play. Randy Eller counts incredibly slowly, and the crowd chants, boring. Uh, some miscommunication leads to an awkward sunset flip powerbomb to the floor, and I pray for a countout. Sadly, that is not the case. Uh, Alabama Slam with a jackknife pen retains the title for Conan. Um, yeah. I don't know yep. how many Conan matches you've seen, but nothing that I've seen on this show so far has given me any confidence that he deserves to be in professional wrestling as long as he has been. So you're saying that Elgato should have taken the title from him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, might not have been... Yeah, who knows? It's... Uh... It, w it would have been worse. I have no. I could it, could it have been worse? I don't know. Oh, there you go. Uh, Gene is backstage with Sting. Sting calls Regal a sissy, and Sting. Uh, sorry, Gene calls Regal a sissy, and Sting agrees. Yeah, it was beyond sissy. It was he. Yeah, let's... was the defining factor for the gay panic. Yeah, let's take a listen to that. We know the background between you and Lord Stephen Regal. This guy, to me, kind of comes off as somewhat of a, a sissy or a prissy, but we know better than that. Uh, looks are deceiving, and his actions are a little deceiving. This man could be one mean son of a gun, as they say. You're trying to stir it up a little bit, aren't you, Mean Gene? You don't have to stir the stinger up when you say he's a little prissy. I, to be honest with you, i got to wonder myself, because he's talking about the stinger painting up nice and pretty. Well, your lordship, you also drink tea like this, don't you? That little pinky out like that. I gotta wonder about you myself. Is that the way they breed the boys over there in England? Let me just square something up with you right now. That ain't the way we breed American men here in the United States. And that's exactly where you are on U.S. turf, U.S. soil. You can take... God, I can't say that. I just can't say that. Mean Gene, we're on TV. You take it for one second. Well, I'd just like to point out one thing. This, this man has uh, wrestled, actually, as a, as a youngster in the sand pits of India. We know what he's done here at World Championship Wrestling. I think you've got your work cut out for you, quite honestly. I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm not saying he's not a fantastic wrestler. I'm just saying... He's a little iffy. I'm not too sure about him. And if there's anybody that can straighten you out in the course of 10, 20, maybe 30 minutes, it's a stinger, I guarantee you. Maybe I was a little too strong when I said he's kind of a, a prissy. Well, whatever. That uh, that promo was incredibly homophobic. Uh, no, it. I mean, I guess mid-90s, that's how yeah. wrestling was, but yeah. wow. Yeah. I'll paint and... Regal wrestled in the sand pits of India? Is that what he said? <laughs> what? Something like that. Okay. Uh, all right, we get an awkward fade out, at least on the network version, and we go back to the arena for your next match, DDP versus Marcus Alexander Bagwell for the Lord of the Ring. Ring. DDP mocks the crowd to get some good heel heat. Bagwell wastes no time, runs straight to the ring, and DDP bails. He re-enters the ring and knocks Bagwell over the top while he's taking his coat off. They fight outside, then he pulls Bagwell onto the apron, one beat of the Bowery, and Bagwell grabs DDP by the head and pulls him over the top and out. He then dumps DDP over the guardrail and into the front row, back in the ring for some basic back and forth. DDP eventually wins the match and retains his ring thanks to the diamond cutter. Very solid match, nothing special, uh, but good work, definitely watchable, I'd say. Yeah, um, 
you can really tell how old this is that he gets away with smoking inside the building <laughs> as he walks in. <laughs> um, I have no interest in uh, Bagwell at all. So even though DDP is a heel, I am rooting for him. <laughs> um, and was it just me or they kept bringing up the Alexander part of Marcus Alexander yeah. Bagwell, yeah. like it was his nickname? Very important middle name. Yeah. <laughs> The only thing, the only thing that I knew about Bagwell going into this match was going into this this podcast rather was the the one match he had on that episode of Raw after the during the invasion. So that's <laughs> that's all that I know about Buff Bagwell going into this. Having going back to to this time and watching these matches, he's he's actually like a really solid worker at this point. So I don't yeah, know. I don't as know as what, a mid carter without what an ego. Happened. I don't know what ego. happened, but well, yeah, okay. That Hanging out with Scott Steiner. <laughs> I'm giving um, him an egg. The the one thing I have to say about this match that really stood out, though, um, just how great uh, DDP is as a heel. Oh, my God. We've, we've said yep. that, I think, on every pay-per-view that he's been oh, on. Oh, really? So great. The abdominal stretch he's doing and that slow, deliberate, I'm going to grab the rope. <laughs> Everybody see me grab the rope? I'm going to grab it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was, I was laughing. I love it. Yeah, DDP is just the best. Uh, Gene is backstage with Jimmy Hart and the Giant. Giant whispers. And then yells. Nothing <laughs> earth-shattering here. Uh, Cruiserweight title time. Your challenger, Rey Mysterio Jr., making his Nitromania debut here, folks. Uh, Mike Tanay joins us on commentary because he's, because he's the only guy who knows about wrestling. They lock up, and we start with typical cruiser stuff, reversals and counters and general one-upsmanship. Malenko eventually settles on Rey's left arm to work on. Ray's trunks make it look like he's wearing granny panties. Uh, Mysterio finally goes on offense, which makes his arm not hurt anymore, apparently. Uh, he hits a <laughs> somersault dive from the ring to the aisle, hits a couple of Hurricane Ranas. He counters a bunch of stuff. Randy Eller continues to count, to count incredibly slowly. Uh, the finish comes when Malenko hits a quick powerbomb and then uses the ropes for leverage for the three. Malenko, still your cruiserweight champion. Uh, certainly a high octane match, I think, as expected. You know, oh, yeah. between these two guys, uh, you know, Mysterio making his debut here on, uh, on pay per view. So I had forgotten how good Ray was when he was young and didn't have the same match every single time. <laughs> when he was young and small. Yeah. Um. Also, it was just hilarious to me. All the announcers stumbling over that kind of Frankenstein.er He's doing. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody's ever heard the uh, the term Huracrana. Not even Mike Tanay, the wrestling genius. Yeah, which that was weird to me too. Like, I what was the context there of him being the special guest that comes in for this match? I don't know. He's there every month on pay per view. We get one match. It's either like a cruiserweight match or back uh, one of the first pay per views. Uh, it actually might have been World War Three. He came in as you know because they, they had Japanese people, re- Japanese women wrestling, and so he came in as the expert. That apparently he's the only guy who does commentary for WCW who knows about wrestling. That is such a weird thing. It real. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I mean, Dream. Like I said, he's not even paying attention. Uh, he calls uh, Ray Eddie Guerrero Jr. at one point during the match. So. <laughs> I guess how, somebody has to be the special guest. How did I miss that? Oh, my God. <laughs> I got to go back. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, jeez. But that's what happens when your partner is wearing a recliner. Backstage, right. Gene is with Luger. Wow! Luger is only there because they told him to be. Uh, he cuts another promo where he sounds like he's asleep. 
He also tells the giant how not to lose their match. Good call, dumbass. Uh, this promo also apparently drives Gene Okerlund to drink. I wrote in my notes, Lex Luger is an idiot. Uh, <laughs> well, mostly because he goes, my mind is a million miles away in that ring. And I'm like, that ring's not a million miles away. <laughs> <laughs> a couple hundred feet, dude. <laughs> uh, back to the arena. Enter gay biker Bubba with Jimmy Hart and some of John Tenta's hair. Uh, John Tenta has no theme song. I expect absolutely nothing from this match. Uh, well... About- <laughs> About a minute, minute and a half into the match, Bubba KOs Tenta with some object in his fist, but sadly, this is not the finish. Uh, for some reason, they then do the attempt to slam, but, but collapse because of weight spot, even though Bubba only weighs about 60% of what Tenta does, yet Tenta is the one who tried the body slam and collapsed. Uh, yeah, Dusty... that, that was like a like a power flop, is what that was. <laughs> Dusty then tries to get Shivani to understand the word garment. Right on the back of his... Tenta wins with a power slam and then cuts Bubba's beard off, or at least a very small scribbling of it. Uh, that explains why his beard was so noticeably full and fluffy going into the match. <laughs> oh, what a hunk of shit that was. It, it really was. Um, I guess that was the finish I was referring to when he did that power flop thing that was supposed to be his finish. Gaumont. What? Oh, man. He's well, earlier, He's uh, earlier in the uh, DDP match, Dusty... I'm going to refer to Dusty a lot because he's my favorite part of this entire he's thing. so great. He, uh... For for a multitude of reasons, not all of them good, but he's so great. No, but uh, earlier in the DDP uh, Bagwell match, he even said he goes, "Holy gully, drop kick to the belly." And I'm like, that, <laughs> that doesn't. Ri- How does that rhyme? It only rhymes and Dusty says it. <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, back to Gene backstage. Gene is with the footballers and their wives. Macho Man has been reinstated. Gene tells us, and then they all yell things. Macho then appears to yell things as well. Uh, then, of course, leads into the Falls Count Anywhere match. Okay. Uh, David Penzer tells us there, there will be two referees for some reason. Uh, Benoit meets Taskmaster in the aisle with a big clothesline. They go to ringside, into the apron for hundreds of chops. Into the crowd we go, then over the hockey wall. Needless to say, this is not a technical masterpiece. No, uh, not at all. And, and it wasn't even a, a hardcore masterpiece either. You know, it... <laughs> It was just punching. Yeah. Up to a vomitorium, which I only included because I wanted to say the word vomitorium, and we go on to the <laughs> concourse and into the men's room where Sullivan slams Benoit's head into a stall door. I'm going to call that concussion number one. Uh, oh, I bet that's being generous. Okay. I'm going to call that concussion number 12. Uh, <laughs> oh, good, those shots, though, were fucking brutal. Uh, oh, they, so- were, they were. They were nasty. And in the, when they're in the, the men's room, you get Dusty constantly going... <laughs> There's a woman in there. I, I, Why is there a woman in there? Give it a moment. Uh, Sullivan, oh, then, Sullivan then tries to give Benoit a swirly in a urinal, of all things. Uh, Dusty then gets ridiculously excited about gender equality. Yep. <laughs> I tell you, there's a lady. There's a lady in the man's bathroom. Look at that. There is a woman in the man's john right here in Baltimore. <laughs> Could you believe that? Yes, I can. She just stopped off. <laughs> they got the 
get some relief here, baby. Where's it going? It's going down the laundry chute now. This match proves why when WWE does stuff like this, they cordon off the area where the superstars are going and lay everything out beforehand. Uh, they exit the bathroom, and the fans are just crowding around, making it near impossible, nearly impossible for them to do anything. Back to the arena, and Sullivan throws Benoit down the steps, back over the hockey wall, and Sullivan crotches Benoit on the guardrail. Tony informs us that Jimmy Hart stayed in the ring the entire time. Good job, Jimmy. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Uh, Benoit tries to get a table from under the ring but fails miserably, so he just dumps Sullivan back into the front row. He then returns to the table, slides the table into the ring, and leans it into a corner. He gets Irish whipped onto it, then avoids the butt slam by Sullivan. Uh, he puts the table on the top rope and then gets backdropped onto it. Both men on the table now in the corner, and Benoit superplexes Sullivan off the table for the three count in the middle of the ring. Falls can anywhere. Benoit continues to assault Sullivan as Jimmy Hart runs for his life. He meets Anderson in the aisle. Anderson calls a ceasefire and then boots Sullivan. Benoit and Anderson beat up Sullivan while Hart retrieves the rest of the dungeon. They head for the back once the dungeon hits the ring. So we finally have some closure. We have unity in the four horsemen again. Uh, so yeah, as a as a Falls Count Anywhere match, at least they went places, unlike they do nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that as long as it's Falls Count Anywhere, it, there's some tension when they're in the bathroom or in the hallway or whatever, it doesn't necessarily have to end, you know, out in the parking lot. <laughs> and never forget, folks, there's a lady in there. There's a lady in there. Did, was it, was it, I'm assuming it was Dusty, but was it Dusty that, where, are they going to go to the women's room next? I, I think it was. <laughs> um, oh, boy. I'm from a historic note here. Now, Nancy was married to Kevin Sullivan at one point. Yes. And then went to Chris Benoit, obviously. Yes. Where does this, do you know where this falls? I don't. In that whole drama? I don't. Um, I know from a, a storyline standpoint, she's with the Horseman right now, which right. he's part of, but I don't think they're necessarily together. They're just part of the same faction. Yeah, yeah, I, I have no idea of any of the personal stuff here. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of woman, though, she, we'll get to her in a second because they go backstage. But last week, last week, last uh, last month, when when Andy was on covering uh, for uh, for for the last pay per view, uh, he mentioned during the Ric Flair match, he, or one of them, it was either the one on the pay per view or the one on Nitro. He was like, and then there was this fan, this female fan who was just screaming the entire time, and I was like, oh, I'll try to grab a clip of it, and I went back, and it was woman, because that's what <laughs> she does. She just stands at ringside and goes, oh. Oh! Oh! Like, fucking stop. You are the worst ever. I hate you. Is it just me or does she look? And I'm going to make fun of a dead person one or the other, but <laughs> it's, it's not her this time. Um, doesn't she sort of look like uh, China before she was hit by gamma radiation? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Right? Like, like she gets hit by radiation, she gets mad, and then she's China. Yeah, you know what? I can, I'll, I'll give you that. Somebody, we're gonna have to put up, find us like a side by side picture. We'll put it on the Twitter if we can figure that out. But that's uh, that's a good pull, Billy. Uh, Gene, speaking of which, Gene is backstage with Woman and Miss Elizabeth. Anderson walks in. Flair walks in. Anderson brings in Benoit. Anderson vouches for Benoit and says, "Now the Horsemen and the Dungeon are truly at war." Flair then yells something. Heenan insists that he's not scared. 
which he does so by stuttering and rambling. Uh, back to the ring for Lord Steven Regal with Jeeves versus Sting. During Sting's entrance, we get a shot of a kid in the crowd who looks like he tried to do Sting face paint and ended up at Heath Ledger Joker. Uh, <laughs> Sting starts hard on the offense, and Irish whips Regal into the corner and out of the ring. Outside, he whips Regal into the barricade, and then back body drops him on the floor. Back in the ring, Regal takes advantage. Tony then tells us about a Northeast tour at the end of June, beginning of July, including stops at the Hartford Civic Center and the theater at Madison Square Garden. That is balls. <laughs> uh, I think Regal is, is really enjoying himself here as he takes a sunset flip like he's having a grand mal seizure. Uh, shortly thereafter, <laughs> he hits Sting square on the side of the head with a single leg drop kick. Regal eventually gets the Regal stretch on Sting, but Sting does not submit. Of course, he then gets his second wind and then just beats the hell out of Regal. Uh, Regal counters the Stinger splash by pulling his knees up, but then he gets backdropped and put in the death lock, to which he immediately submits. This match was, unsurprisingly, absolutely fantastic right yeah i have almost no notes just because it's legitimately two of the best um doing what they do mm-hmm. absolutely did you also notice the old guy in the audience swinging around a rubber, a rubber chicken though <laughs> somehow i did not i i don't know like i didn't know if that was a thing or if just these fans are insane <laughs> well, which is kind of where i'm leaning now baltimore yeah I, I saw the people in the audience during the national anthem in the costumes. So, um, yeah, yeah, I just go with nuts. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sounds about right. Uh, we get an ad for Bash at the Beach live on pay per view on Sunday, July seventh. Hey, uh, Michael Buffer then materializes in the ring to announce our first main event: the Legends of the Gridiron versus the Legends in the World of Wrestling. Probably could have phrased that better, Mikey. Also, calling Mongo and Green legends is a bit of a stretch. The Horsemen enter. I, I would. I don't know any better. <laughs> the horsemen... I'm like, okay, fine. They're important. Um, the Horsemen enter, and Buffer announces them separately for some reason. Bobby Heenan also gets his own entrance. Enter the football morons and their wives. Oh, and fuck the, me. their football dance. Deborah is carrying Pepe. That that <sighs> is this one of the historic moments. Where we first see Deborah's puppy. <laughs> I think that's Mongo's puppy, though, because he used to show up at commentary when, when Mongo was <laughs> well, doing commentary. Well, they both used to be Mongo's puppies. Mm. Uh, Macho Man also gets his own entrance. The bell rings, and Macho and uh, Mongo, rather, and Green do some stupid football shit. Do I have to watch this? Yeah, I'm being, I told, I, I'm being told that I do. I do have to watch this. Uh, Mongo starts with Arn Anderson in the crowd as a group of fans with a bedsheet with Mongo Sucks written on it. If you'd like to see this, go to our Twitter. I made it the fucking banner picture. <laughs> Anderson starts by trying to embarrass Mongo and then just out-wrestles him. Shocking, I know. Uh, they three-point stance and Mongo shoulder blocks Arn down. They try it again and Anderson drop toe-holds Mongo and then lays the boots to him. To be fair, as yet, Mongo has not sucked that badly. Uh, I say that and then Mongo tags in green. This should be a shit show. Yeah. Flair tags in and they do nothing for a good two or three minutes. Green ends up in the corner, gets chopped, gets punched, then he shoves Flair halfway across the ring. He shoulder blocks Flair, and then he shoulder blocks Flair. Uh, Flair bails, but Macho chases him down the aisle and drags him back into the ring. Tony again tells us that Savage is reinstated as of tomorrow. We then get Mongo in the ring with Flair for a series of shoulder blocks. What a shoulder blocks. Jesus, even Mongo no-sells Flair's chops. Christ's sakes. <laughs> Mongo's hip toss needs work, for sure. 
Uh, Flare goes up. T- uh, Flare goes up top. It goes about as well as you'd expect. Mongo puts Flare in the figure four. Green cuts off Anderson and puts him in the figure four as well. And then Woman rakes Mongo's eyes to break it up. Uh, the wives then chase the harem down the aisle. Flair dumps Mongo, and Anderson lays boots to him until Macho comes around. Mongo gets dumped again, and Bobby gets a kick in after audibly telling Flair to get the ref. Mongo no-sells a couple more chops back inside the ring and then goozles Flair. Anderson grabs Randerson so Flair can low-blow Mongo. Kevin gets the hot tag and literally claps before and after every move he does. And he looks like he's going to kill. <laughs> Arnaz and Flair like legitimately right. killed him when and, he hits him. Not not like oh my god that was awesome. He, but like no, he's just yeah sloppy as fuck. Uh, uh, Green suplexes Flair from the apron into the ring and then dances like a goddamn moron until Anderson chop blocks him. Takes a couple of tries, but Flair gets Green into the figure four. Anderson helps Flair apply pressure until Macho runs over and tears Anderson off the apron and throws him into the barricade. Benoit takes out Macho as Elizabeth, Woman, and Deborah, now in an evening gown, return to ringside. Deborah has the Money in the Bank briefcase. She opens it for Mongo. It contains a Four Horsemen t-shirt and a whole lot of cash. Mongo checks one of the bills, closes the briefcase, and clocks Green in the skull with it. I have no idea where Randerson was at this point, by the way. Flair then pins Green for three. Macho enters the ring and attacks Flair. Mongo pulls Macho off, and everyone attacks Macho. Flair takes the case as Mongo holds up Macho, and Flair weakly hits Savage in the head with the case. Flair and Benoit stomp on Savage as Anderson tells Mongo to put the t-shirt on. Mongo McMichael is now your fourth horseman. Then everyone shakes hands with each other. I, 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 I don't know how this makes sense. So is Mongo okay with Flair fucking his wife now? I don't know. Uh, well, the- it, it it seems like there's not a lot of um, good gender politics within the Four Horsemen. <laughs> um, even Elizabeth and, and Macho, it's just, hey, it's, she's a prize to be won, you know? So Yeah. Uh, I- and did Flair actually fuck his wife, or was he just hitting on her? Because it just sounded like he was just hitting on her from... This match. Yeah, but, you know, Mongo was still mad about it, and now he's well, apparently not going to be mad about it because there's... He got cause paid to be... Because there's cash. I don't know. This just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, no, the, the, the story was terrible, like, the way it worked and the psychology and... Um, and, also, I, and also I, the idea of Mongo being a horseman. Right, right. Um, and it... I wondered if maybe it was me without context because, you know... And here in the future, I, I watch this match and go, oh, I see where this is going. Because I remember, you know, is it Mongo or is it Mondo? Mongo with a G. Mongo. Okay. I was not quite sure of that. Yeah. Um, no, but Mon- I remember him Mondo being Gu- part of it. Mondo Guerrero is someone completely different, Bill. Right. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> no. I, exactly. I thought he was stepping on, like, that name, and that makes it even dumber. But <laughs> No. Um. Yeah, this have even yeah having context. This still makes no goddamn sense to me. Fair um, enough. Dusty is incredulous, as are we all, really. Uh, and Tro- uh, Tony, I don't know why I said Troy. Got, that's weird. <laughs> uh, he's not here. Tro- Tony sends us to Bischoff in the entryway. Uh, Bischoff reminds us of the interruptions that have happened since May 27th. Bischoff introduces Hall and Nash again without saying their names. They enter from the side of the stage. Nice touch. Uh, Bischoff says there will be a match. It will be at Bash at the Beach in Daytona. Bischoff then, to save them from lawsuits, asks them both straight up if they work for the WWE. 
sorry, they, there was censorship on the network. Uh, they both say they do not. Hall then demands to know who WCW's team is. Bischoff says he'll tell them tomorrow night. And that's not good enough for Hall. And really, it shouldn't be good enough for every, for anyone, because last Monday we were promised that Bischoff would tell us who the team would be going. In. Anyway, uh, uh, Hall then punches Bischoff square in the solar plexus. Nash then jackknifes Bischoff off the stage through a wooden platform to the floor. Great spot there. If you haven't seen it, it's one of the classics. Uh, Tony is disgusted as folks tend to Eric. We go back to commentary. Tony is wearing a full tuxedo. Dusty has removed his red leather jacket and is literally just wearing a blue champion t-shirt and jeans. Classy. I want to go back to this interview for just a moment. Sure. Um, Did you notice that they used the skit names? uh, Billionaire Ted, Nacho Man, and the Huckster? Yeah, Yeah, they've been doing that the whole time. If if there's any... um, Oh, they have been doing that the whole time? Yeah, Hall, Hall, you know, that's, you know, Hall's big, big thing when he comes in is, where's Billionaire Ted? Where's the Nacho Man? I thought maybe, maybe that is the uh, lawsuit they were actually threatened with, not just quit using that intellectual property. I mean, it very well could be, and the fact that, I mean, I think that, I think the crux of the lawsuit was the fact that Flair, that, uh, Flair, that Hall is still doing the Razor Ramon voice. Yeah, and he does, he goes, but I noticed he goes, I will carve them up yeah um and then everybody acts like it's such a a travesty that eric bischoff is the one that took the jackknife like anybody gives a shit <laughs> you know this isn't back in the day when gorilla monsoon got beat up by vader you know and oh so, I mean, you know was the, only, that, was, that was only a few months before this yeah but which is still gorilla I mean, monsoon said, means something gorilla monsoon means something yeah and i said it on you that know? episode of nitromania still one of my favorite spots ever from monday night raw oh absolutely um but bischoff does not have that much gravity yeah not at this point no certainly not i mean just because his name shows up at the end of all the credits and you know freeze frame doesn't mean much of anything because he's only he's only a commentator on screen yep. just like vince was anyway um Yes, Tony leaves uh, to check on Eric as Dusty sells the hell out of the angle. Credit him for that. Uh, Dusty then sends us to Penzer before correcting himself and sending us to Buffer. Uh, It is world title time. Luger enters to no introduction and takes a moment to check on Eric. Giant enters, and Tony thankfully returns to commentary. Giant does not give a shit about Eric Bischoff. Tony then sends. But Lex, Lex Luger checking on him was a great, uh, yeah, a great bit there too. The, They're like, I'm definitely the good guy here. Yeah, as the face. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Tony then sends it to Buffer, who does the announcements. Fuck you, Dusty. We we get a wide shot during the beginning of Lex's introduction, and someone in the crowd has a Big Daddy Cool sign. Well done. The bell rings, and they start strong by not doing anything. Uh, Luger charges in and eats a boot, then just gets stomped on. Irish whip, Luger ducks a clothesline, he strikes, he charges, he clotheslines, he clotheslines again, and Giant goes to the floor. Giant drags Luger out of the ring and then immediately press slams him back into the ring. Whole lots of Luger selling here, if you know what I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. Luger leaps from the buckles and misses the sleeper, so he has to reapply it. Uh, Jimmy Hart then hops on the apron, making like he's going to hit Luger with the megaphone, but just in time, Sting runs out and chases Jimmy to the back. Giant gets out of the hold and puts Luger in the Tree of Woe, where he stomps him a couple times. He sends Luger across into the buckles, and then again, chest first, then a forearm to the kidneys, and then he puts boots across Luger's throat in the corner. Irish whip to the opposite corner and a backbreaker on the rebound. He bends Luger across his knee, then a gut wrench into a backbreaker hold again. 
Bow and arrow on the mat. Luger breaks it with a Stone Cold Stunner, then tries to slam the Giant and has to save himself with a rope break. Dumbass. <laughs> Giant stands on Luger's back, and then a jumping stomp. He lays Luger across the top buckle and clubs him in the lower back. Three beats of the Bowery by the Giant this time, then he charges across the ring and only gets ropes. Lex hits a kind of a catapult drop kick, which staggers Giant back to the corner. Luger hits about 98 diving forearms, then decides to go after the leg. Giant down to a knee, but he shoves Luger off. He charges at Luger in the corner, but Luger moves, and Giant lays across the top buckle. Luger kicks him in the gut a few times and tries to put Giant on the torture rack, but the weight is too much, because he's a dumbass, and Luger goes face first into the mat. Choke slam by the Giant, and he retains his world's heavyweight championship. Giant promises that no one will ever beat him. Tony promises the team from Bash at the Beach... Uh, plus an update on Bischoff tomorrow night, and we go to credits. We get the splash card for Bash at the Beach one more time, and we go off the air. Main event was all right, nothing spectacular. I can't really say... No, it say... was your typical strong guy match, back and forth, smacking each other big moves. Yeah, I, I, mean... can't, yeah, I can't really say that it was harmed in any way by following Bischoff's powerbomb, but, but who knows. Um, the uh, I, Why did Michael Buffer feel it necessary to, during his announcements, tell us that wearing black they both were wearing black (laughs) dude come on just do something you're collecting this huge paycheck do something other than yeah fucking michael buffer garbage (laughs) garbage but young giant though man he had a i I forgot how impressive he was when he was oh god young and in shape and wow oh yeah I'm 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 enjoying i i am enjoying watching watching the giant here uh, now knowing how kind of fucking boring he is now as the big show, um, slow and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the show as a whole was acceptable, I suppose. Unlike every other pay per view we've done thus far, nothing stood out to me at least as notably horrible. Uh, the football match was not as bad as I was expecting, and certainly no. felt certainly felt shorter than it actually was. So that's uh, you, you can give him credit for that. Uh, well, the you, shenanigans helped that too. That yeah. we didn't actually actually have to watch these guys wrestle. Yeah, and you could tell that Mongo had actually been training for a bit leading up to this point. Green did what he needed to do, and that's really all you can say about it. Um, if you go back and watch anything from the pay per view, I would say either the cruiserweight title match or Sting versus Regal. What do you say? Those were definitely the standouts for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So your thoughts on the pay per view as a, as a whole? I mean, it definitely wasn't as painful as it could have been. Yeah, I. I remember this time frame being god awful. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I enjoyed um, those two matches in particular. I, I loved seeing young Ray and remembering when he was really, really good. Yeah, right. Um, and I said, yeah, the, the Chris Benoit woman, Kevin Sullivan stuff was, you know, strange, obviously, in context after the fact. Um, yeah. But it's, it's one of those things where I actually talked about this recently in a Facebook group that I mean it's one of those things where you have to separate the 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 man from the character, and so absolutely like I I have no I have no problems at this point I can I can watch I can watch a Chris Benoit match with no I have no nothing in my head goes oh this is a Chris Benoit match because yeah it's a Chris Benoit match but I mean and I've said it on when I was on the rundown about you know John Cena John Cena the character versus John Cena the man that's Chris Benoit the character. Chris Benoit the wrestler versus Chris Benoit the man. And you're absolutely right there. It wouldn't be so weird um, if it wasn't uh, Nancy being involved and Kevin Sullivan. And 
I don't know if you've ever listened to any of the conspiracy theories people have thrown out there about <laughs> like Kevin Sullivan and not saying I believe it, you know, that Kevin Sullivan really did it and framed him and whatnot, but um, it's hard not to think of that when watching all three of them together. Like if it was just Chris Benoit versus some random dude. Oh, I can definitely, I, would, I can definitely see your point there too. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lady in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> what if, if you had to guess, uh, I don't know if you know the, the website cagematch.net, but they, you know, they let the fans rate the shows uh, it's out of 10. What would you, what would you give this show out of 10? What do you think the, the average rating is over there? Oh, um, I'm, I'm aware of it. I don't spend any time there. Um, I'm going to say probably three to four out of 10. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cause it has a 6.76 on cage match, a respectable score, I would say, which I no think kidding. is the highest grade on a pay-per-view we've, we've seen so far or possibly any episode of nitro we've done. Uh, yeah, 6.76, which is uh, respectable. I think, wow. um, to quote a certain Oklahoma, uh, business is picking up here in uh, in WCW at this point with the uh, you know with the invasion going on. So I think from this point, a, from a this certain point, Oklahoma. So, but Ed Ferrara. <laughs> uh, we'll get to him later, uh, <laughs> a, a lot later. Um, so yeah, from this point until you know the, the, that downturn happens, I think we're going to get a lot of good stuff out of, out of this. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, as is typically the case with these, uh, with these episodes, we do with these pay-per-view episodes, we do have some business to attend here tonight. Tonight is the one and only appearance of El Gato on Nitro Mania. In fact, he only had two appearances in WCW total. And according to cage match, the gentleman portraying El Gato, a wrestler, uh, is a wrestler by the name of Pat Tanaka, who we will see more of in the future, only wrestled two matches total as El Gato. Some South huh. American legend he is. Oh, also, despite being labeled as a South American legend on last week's episode of Nitro, but yet being billed from Mexico on this pay-per-view, Pat Tanaka is Hawaiian. So it turns out, Larry, that he didn't actually need a green card in the first place. Um, so since I have to ask <laughs> to make it official, listen to last week's episode, you'll get it. Uh, since I have to ask to make it official, El Gato, the South American legend, rafters or dumpster? I think I'm going to have to go dumpster. Absolutely, dumpster. Oh, this is, I, I, I don't understand what they're doing with the U.S. title at this point, because it's like, literally, I, I don't know if they're if they're doing any build on Saturday night or, or any of the other shows, but there's certainly nothing going on on Nitro. So every one of these pay-per-views, it's like, here's the U.S. title against, here's a random fucking contender that you've never heard of before. And literally, I, two I, matches. I hate when title matches are that way, when it's just, here's some random person, here's a debut. Even Rey Mysterio wrestling for Cruiserweight debuting, yeah. in hindsight, makes total sense to us. But at the time... Yeah, but I think I think he was in the Cruiserweight title tournament that they had between, okay. them, between them and New Japan. I think he was in that tournament, because they showed footage last week on Nitro of him actually you know wrestling Dean Malenko in the past and stuff, so they gave us some backstory okay. there. But with this... <laughs> Two fucking matches as Elgato. Only two. Right. Ever. Ever. And, and this was the first one with him getting a title shot? <laughs> I think this was the last one. I don't even know. Jesus. Uh, yeah. It's, I don't even... The, the legendary United States Championship, as they like to tell us these days. 
right Elgato. Uh, all right. Anything else on the bash before we skip forward about 21 hours? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay. So here we go. It is Monday, June 17th, 1996, and we are live from Richmond, Virginia. This is the Richmond Coliseum. This is also the first time in about four weeks they've told us where they are on Nitro. Uh, this is the Richmond Coliseum. We won't be back here for another four years for Nitro, but the WWF slash WWE has run this building a number of times. Before this episode of Nitro, there have been six episodes of Raw and one episode of Superstars taped here. Of course, that was in 94 and 95, so that all took place over the total of two tapings. Uh, of course, that was still the glorified squash, the era of glorified squash matches on Raw. So those episodes featured such epic main events as Shawn Michaels versus Tyro Knox and Bam Bam Bigelow versus Bastion Booger. Although, to be fair, episode 41 of Raw did open with Marty Jannetty and the 123 Kid winning the tag titles from the Quebecers. Uh, the 1995 episodes we have, of course, already covered on this show back on episodes 12, 13, and 14, uh, with, of course, the November 20th, 1995 episode being the episode where Shawn Michaels collapses following an enzigiri from Owen Hart. Classic. I remember uh, that. How could you not? Uh, <laughs> I was enough of a mark at that point to go, is Shawn Michaels dead? Uh, okay, back to what we're doing. Uh, Tony and Larry are actually up at the desk this week. Don't they think they're fancy? But it's probably because Eric Bischoff is dead, so Tony's going to do the whole show. Tony then immediately confirms my suspicions. Tony shames anyone who didn't order the pay-per-view and promises footage of Eric Bischoff's murder during Hour 2. Uh, <laughs> he still does not name Scott Hall or Kevin Nash. Tony calls it the worst thing he's ever seen. Have you been watching the last 40 episodes of this fucking show? Anyway, uh, Zabisco. Did, did, did you see the Snyder Brothers versus, uh, <laughs> what was his name? Uh, uh, Scott Norton? Uh, yeah, was Scott, that it? Scott Norton and, and, and Ice Train. And, see, I was going to ask you about that one. I, I didn't, I missed it. You are saying Ice Train. Yes, Ice Train. I have written down, because this is the only thing I can hear them saying, Ice Tray. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't right, but I don't have anything better. It's close enough. <laughs> yeah, Tony, you were there for World War Three, all right? Let's, let's, uh... All right, Zabisco says he appreciates a good game of human chess, but that beating the crap out of Eric Bischoff isn't impressive to anyone. Uh, Tony promises a drawing to determine who will face the two intruders and their mystery third man at Bash at the Beach. We get photos of the tag match between the Steiners and Fire and Ice Tray. Then photos <laughs> of Big Bubba versus John Tenta. And then photos of Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio Jr. A rematch of that match is later tonight. Plus, Mongo is the fourth horseman. Mongo has now proven himself in Larry Zabisco's eyes. Larry says that Mongo was actually helping his partner by ending the match with the briefcase shot by making sure that Flair didn't end his career with that figure four. Uh, I'll, I'll give him that logic. Uh, good heel logic there. We then get video footage of Mongo. Eric's... Don't forget, Mongo is just pawn in Game of Life. <laughs> Uh, we then get video footage of Eric's demise, well, footage up until the punch in the gut. Tony promises us the rest of the clip later. Let's go to the ring. Your opening contest this evening is Stevie Ray in singles competition, like his brother last week, taking on Rick Steiner, like his brother last week. Creative. I have far lower hopes for this match than I did for that one last week. During Rick's entrance, we get a shot of a guy in the front row getting his hat and glasses knocked off by the guy next <laughs> to him trying to pat Rick on the shoulder. 
I forgot about that and laughed just remembering it. Uh, Stevie starts off by just booting Rick repeatedly in the face. Irish whip and a big clothesline by Stevie. A body slam by Stevie gets a two count. Reversed Irish whip, but still a shoulder block by Stevie. Then Rick hits Stevie with a belly to belly and drops him right on his head and neck. Uh, a bulldog off the top by Rick gets a two count. Power slam by Stevie and he goes to the second rope. He tries for a forearm, I think, but Steiner moves. A charging clothesline by Rick and he gets a three count. That was a surprisingly sudden finish. Uh, Booker T then appears out of nowhere and attacks Steiner, and they double-team him until Scott runs out. Scott gets immediately... Who takes forever to run out. <laughs> Scott gets immediately taken out by Booker T, and we go to the replay and then to break. Uh, well, did Scott, did Scott get taken out by Booker T? Or was that... My understanding of that was that he threw himself on top of his brother to keep the Harlem hangover from happening. I don't... No, no, no. I just not. That was, that was kind of the way I took it. Was that he was basically interfering with the double team, which is which is genius considering his match later on tonight. But you know, that's Scott Steiner, not the smartest apple in the bunch. Um, no. Yeah, this match has nothing on last week's match between Booker and Scott. Booker and Scott was was actually quite decent. This match was not really at all. It was a match. It was a match. It was it certainly was. There was uh, there was an opening bell and a closing bell. Uh, well, it was a match in that it was the less <laughs> successful brother from a great tag team. <laughs> On both sides of the equation. Yep. They yep. uh, matched each other, that's what I'm saying. There you go. We come back for Disco Inferno. Uh, sorry, the American males taunt Benoit and Anderson as we go to break. That's important. Uh, we come back for Disco Inferno. Disco asks them to cut the music, asks if they want to see him dance, and then tells them to hit the music again. So my... Oh, he doesn't ask them if he wants to see him dance. He tells them they're there to see him dance. Well, he asks, and then they all say no, and he goes, All right! Uh, and Disco Dango. I, I I kind of appreciate Disco Inferno. We kind of I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> no, uh, I, I do enjoy Disco Inferno. Um, yeah, it's hard not to to have fun with him. Uh, so he tells him to hit the music again, but they play Joe Gomez's music instead. Joe, finally making his debut here, looks like a reject from an '80s hair metal band. Again, with the who the fuck is Joe Gomez? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tony tells us as the bell rings that they received a phone call from Hulk Hogan telling them to throw his name in the hat if those intruders want to declare war on WCW. They say they dis- they say that they disrespected everyone in WCW. Uh, they then move on to talking about Mongo some more, and then Disco Inferno threatens to beat up David Penzer. Back in the ring, and Gomez <laughs> hits Disco with a terrible-looking dropkick. Uh, Irish whip and a clothesline, maybe, by Disco takes Gomez down. Disco dances and then chokes Gomez against the middle rope. Irish whip to the buckles, and Gomez gets the boot up. Then a second time, Gomez Irish whips Disco back and forth from corner to corner three times, but then eats a swinging neckbreaker. Disco dances again instead of pinning him. Can I interrupt just to say, I absolutely hate that spot where they lean over, like I guess they're assuming they're going to do a backdrop, but it literally just looks like they're leaning into... The swinging neckbreaker or whatever move. Oh, he, he Which is what they're doing. That's all they're doing is <laughs> leaning into it. I just, it's one of those moves that I absolutely, setups that I absolutely hate yeah, in the, pro wrestling. The, the neckbreaker or the kick to the chest or whatever. Like I said, the, the neckbreaker itself, I don't care that much. But yeah, that lean over thing, like, here I am. Oh, he, at, he, t- he telegraphed I, a little bit there. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Disco dances again instead of pinning Joe, and Gomez counters the lazy pin with a crucifix to get the three count. Great debut, Joe. I, you barely fucking won. I wrote lazy. 
reversing a lazy pen in my notes too. That's the only thing I could call it. Yeah. Uh, so that was garbage. Uh, we come back from break to Mean Jean in the locker room with Flair, Elizabeth, Woman, and Deborah. Jean demands that Deborah explain herself. Deborah, Mean Jean, the disappointed assistant principal. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? Uh, Deborah says it was for the money. Straight up, no excuses. Flair then rambles as Gene tries to end the segment. Uh, I can't even take audio of this segment for a couple reasons. One, it's completely nonsensical. And two, there are a number of times when Flair doesn't actually talk into the microphone. Uh, and I am... I don't know how much of the tuning Japanese... You listen pretty regular to tuning Japanese, right? Yeah. So you know the... Uh, well, it's not really a joke because it's true, but the <laughs> the running thing uh, with me being woke as fuck, you know, Andrew has a little uh, stinger music he sings every time. Yep. Uh, well, we need him here to sing it because I'm not okay with Elizabeth being this prize to be just handed back and forth yep. in matches. Yeah. Uh, her last name may as well be MacGuffin. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, it might be. We're never given her last name. You know. That's true. Yeah, I guess I should say, is it? Because it could. <laughs> It's just, it's so, like, it feels like in 96 that should be dated. I, I I think it is. This whole thing, this whole thing leading up to this was the fact, uh, and we talked about it last month at, uh, at Lethal Lottery, and, you know, before that, the whole thing here is, uh, oh, Flair's fucking Elizabeth, and Macho Man's angry, and they're yep. spending Macho's money. Like, okay, so... She's just, yeah, exactly. It's just a pawn and whatever. Yeah, she's an object. She's a prize, a trophy, if you will. Um, and it, you know, if they would have just tweaked that story on a little bit and made her the nasty, evil ex-wife, and like Ric Flair is just sort of the the schmuck I getting think, pulled in the middle of it, that would have been so much better. I think you're giving Elizabeth way too much credit on her acting skills. Granted. <laughs> Back to the arena for tag team action. The Horsemen, Anderson and Benoit, versus the American Males. American Males. American Males. American Males. Zabisco calls Benoit a cyborg. Uh, for some reason, half of Benoit's face is one big bruise. Damn bathroom stall doors. Uh, the American Males seem to enter to the wrong music at first. Tony then tells us that the championship committee has put together the top six names in WCW based on win-loss records, and they will draw three of those names as the team that will go to, the war, go to war at Bash at the Beach. Anderson starts with Riggs, and Anderson immediately just goes and knocks Bagwell off the apron. Uh, he and Riggs go back and forth, and Anderson gets knocked outside where Bagwell gets his revenge. We eventually get to Bagwell and Benoit. Benoit just beats the tar out of him. Uh, Bagwell and Benoit go back and forth a little bit. Then Anderson tags in. Anderson kicks out of a backslide at two. He kicks out of a perfect plex at one, thanks to Benoit's boot and Bagwell's gut. Then Benoit comes back in. The crowd solidly behind Benoit here. Uh, a big back suplex and Benoit goes up top. Uh, murder suicide. Sorry. Diving headbutt. Uh, it gets a two when Riggs makes the save. Bagwell goes through Benoit's legs to tag Riggs and they hit a double drop kick. According to Tony, that is their move but anderson breaks I, up the pin i was gonna ask is that, is that their finish because that is a lame finish according to tony it is uh benoit dumps Riggs across the top rope and then rolls him up and pins him for three with the assist from anderson on the outside gene is in the ring with anderson and benoit anderson says the crowd likes the horsemen because they like people who make promises and then keep them 
Uh, mean Gene is still disappointed. <laughs> he then basically tells Kevin Sullivan to shove it. Benoit basically says that the entire world cheered when he beat Sullivan and says the horsemen stand for guts, glamour, and glory. Direct quote. Uh, we go to break on a John Tenta promo. I I love how they're having the uh, the Marcus Bagwell, but Chris Benoit, they're having that quick technical back and forth like they're evenly matched. Like, ow, right in the kayfabe. <laughs> we come back for yet another match between Big Gay Bubba and John Tenta. Why? Tenta still has no music. During Tenta's entrance, we get a shot of the crowd, including a very bored-looking fellow who yes, kind of resembles Perez Hilton. Rem- rem- yeah. Sorry. I just want to remind everybody this is a who cares on a pole match. <laughs> Uh, Bubba attacks Tenta outside the ring, into the ring, and Tenta reverses an Irish whip and hits a back body drop. Dropkick by Tenta, and Bubba bails. Tony tells us that the money that was in the briefcase last night was Macho Man's alimony payments. Uh, Bubba reverses an Irish whip into the corner and slides out, and ever so gently slides Tenta's crotch towards the turnpost. He then gets back in the ring and just claws at Tenta's face. We get kind of a camel clutch by Bubba. Uh, the finish comes after two avalanches in the corner by Tenta, and Bubba grabs Nick Patrick. Jimmy Hart enters the ring and hits Tenta with the megaphone, which Tenta no-sells. Jimmy gets an atomic drop and bails, then a running power slam by Tenta, and another on Bubba, and Tenta pins Bubba with his feet on the bottom rope for some reason. Yeah, he's the face, right? Yeah, and that, I, 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 think, I, think, up. I think two power slams by John Tenta should put Big Bubba down. Um, Hart then gives Bubba a sock full of half dollars, oh, and Bubba... God. Beats the hell out of John Tenta with it, including some shots directly to the face. Yeah, the the only thing he does with that, that sock yeah. is either miss wildly and look like he's going <laughs> to hit himself, or tag Tenta right in the skull like he's going to kill him. Yeah, Tenta eventually just goes prone and covers his face, but seriously, the <laughs> second or third shot basically directly in either his eye or on the bridge of his nose yeah, you can just, you can only gimmick a sock full of coins so much. You, he's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get replays, then go to Mean Gene with Jimmy and Bubba. Bubba cuts a promo that makes me question his mental stability. Uh, oh, man. Oh, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about this. It just, he just rants. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tony Savani. I was supposed to talk to, supposed to talk to... John Tenta. However, Jimmy Hart, what in the world? You again getting involved, and what did you hand him? A roll of quarters? Half dollars? The test master! Jimmy Hart! Big Bubba! We're making examples of everybody from now on that turn their back on the dungeon of... I know you want to talk to John Tenta, but I'll have to do. See this right here? This is job change. But look at the damage it does to the big fat beast welding reed. Hi, Hi John Tenta! Take note, boys. Every single time I step in the ring with that fat piece of trash, I kick his butt from here to kingdom come. Just like I did at the Great American Bash. Whoa, whoa. Just like I did tonight on Monday whoa. Night True. Yeah. And if you don't believe me about the American Bash, tune in tomorrow night. There's going to be a rain play. I sure as hell going to be watching. Up next, the return of Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, I'm still thinking about that fucking sock, just straight. Oh, ugh, ugh. it was definitely, um, I don't know if I want to say the high point. It was, <laughs> it was the, the standout thing of this uh, night Yeah, was watching that sock just 
kill a poor man. Yeah. Mm. Uh, back from break, Gene is back in the locker room with Macho Man. Macho admits to being crazy now and then repeats his OCD, one cool dude joke, which wasn't funny the first fucking time. Uh, and then he leaves. Gene co- then calls Elizabeth the former ex of the Macho Man, almost, <laughs> and sends us to the ring. Uh, that is your match as Raw begins, Macho Man versus Ric Flair. Interesting that they would dive right into that on his first match back. Uh, we get the pyro for hour two, but instead of switching from Zabisco to Heenan, Macho goes to commentary and chases Heenan to the ring. He doesn't actually do anything, and Heenan then runs back to commentary as Flair enters. So I think that was Macho just fucking with Bobby. Uh, the women enter first, and thanks to the camera angle, we can't see Flair behind them. Flair grabs a microphone and says he's feeling the thrill of victory, and Macho is feeling the agony of divorce. That kind of made me laugh. Uh, he tosses the microphone to Savage for some reason, who mutters something about kicking Flair's ass, which he then proceeds to do. Uh, we go to break with them fighting on the outside. Now, is this actually a match? Because I don't really see the bell start or any... It's literally just 45 minutes of them fighting. <laughs> They uh, the, there there has been have been times where the bell has not rung and it's still been a match unfortunately. Okay, fair enough. I just <laughs> I and even on the uh, on the network watching this, there's just like this 45 minute gap between like you know they have like the white and the red for the start and the end of a match. Yeah, no, you know what that is? That's the that's the uh, that's the Benoit match. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. There's there's this gap between like the the end of the one match and the beginning of the next, and it's just giant. I'm like, I was actually checking at the time going. What the fuck are they going to do for 45 minutes that isn't a match? <laughs> this horse shit, apparently. We come back, and they're in the ring, but Flair almost immediately dumps uh, Savage back to the outside. Or maybe Savage dumps Flair. I wrote Flair twice, and I don't remember. Liz slaps Macho, and Flair throws Macho over the barricade. He recovers quickly, though, and runs down Flair, slamming him into his VIP table. Uh, he then douses Flair in champagne, and then gently bumps him with the bottle. Back into the ring, and Savage continues the beating while Woman continues shrieking. God damn it, Woman. Savage is trying to put that candle up Ric Flair's ass. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it in his hand, rolling him up. Uh, Savage tries an axe handle from the top to the floor, but Flair moves, and Tony sends us to another break. When we come back, Flair is chopping Savage in the corner. They move to the middle of the ring, and Savage bumps for each chop, but still somehow no-sells them. I don't know why Flair is so famous for the knife edge chops if they don't ever seem to do anything to his opponents. <sighs> I always assumed that was just something in the past that used to be a thing. <laughs> uh, Flair strikes Savage with some unidentified foreign object because they never gave us a camera shot of it, then struts into an elbow drop and a pin only to get a two count. Uh, he then somehow manages to knock Randerson out of the ring, so Savage nails him in the balls. Savage hits an elbow drop, and he climbs for a second one when the three women enter the ring to try and stop him. He leaps over the women, just like he did over the rafts a few weeks ago, and they scatter, of course, and then Benoit runs out, and then on Anderson. Savage beats them all up. Mongo then appears and cracks Savage across the back and then across the forehead with the briefcase. Uh, Mongo lays Flair across Savage, and Anderson throws Randerson back into the ring to count the three. The horsemen then just stomp the hell out of Savage as we go to replays. This and the pay-per-view, there were so many times that the Horsemen should have been a DQ. Oh, yeah, of course. That's, I the, mean, that's and their least, whole shtick. At least here, like, the referee was out. But, like, at the pay-per-view, when Flair runs down the hall, runs on, run, nah, sorry. When Flair runs down the aisle and Savage hits him and goes after him, or when uh, uh, Arn Anderson punches Mongo, or 
the ref's standing right there. Yeah. I just don't understand the logic here. Yeah. I mean, I get they're cheating, but they're not even cheating well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things you have to roll with. I I know, but it frustrates me. No, no, certainly. <laughs> uh, we, we then go to Mean Gene, who is with Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan, and the Giant. This promo marks the first time Hall and Nash are called Outsiders. Uh, Sullivan has what I believe is supposed to be a black eye, but it looks like someone just smudged shoe polish on his face. Uh, Giant quotes nursery rhymes again, and Gene tells us that Giant will defend his title against Scott Steiner later on tonight. And then another reminder that he'll announce who will be the WCW team at Bash at the Beach. Uh, We get, finally, another new Glacier promo when we come back. Does this one have a date? No, but it does say July, so I guess that's something. Uh, Back to the desk. And uh, Tony takes us to still photos of Eric Bischoff's death. Tony oddly says Eric was virtually unconscious. So was he? (laughs) Or wasn't he? They don't know words. (laughs) We then get a photo recap of WCW versus NFL, then a photo recap of the Falls Count Anywhere match. They then talk a little more about Bash at the Beach. Then we go to Gene and Rey Mysterio Jr. in the aisle. Mysterio has not yet learned how to cut a promo all right thank you bud uh, by the way i should point out ray mysterio jr a great superstar that comes in to this great organization and of course he is from south well actually from south of the border down in mexico we've heard so much about you last night i saw you at the great american bash challenging cruiserweight champ dean malenko and ray mysterio jr i have never seen such tremendous acrobatics in my entire life and what a sensational match. However, Malenko bending the rules a little bit. He got the pin, but his legs, his feet were actually on the ropes. That's right. That's right. He was on the ropes. He was holding the ropes. I don't like that. Malenko, he's very professional, and I respect him a lot. But I'm going to show him what I'm made out of. And I'm going to teach him tonight, because I want that cruiserweight title on my waist. All right, Rey Mysterio, perhaps if I can prevail upon you something to our great Latinos that are viewing this television program tonight. Van a ver quién es el mejor campeón del mundo, porque se lo voy a demostrar arriba en el ring. All right, he is Rey Mysterio Jr. You're going to be hearing a lot about this young man. He is absolutely dynamite as we get you back to action. Yeah, well, Mean Gene didn't help. I can sum this entire promo up with Mean Gene going, "Hey, pal, speak some Spanish for me." <laughs> uh, yeah, also uncomfortable the way Gene says Latinos. Yeah, ugh. I, you know, I know Mean Gene is supposed to be legendary in the business, and I came into it later than most people that I know. He is so bad here. Was he always this bad? Uh, we kind of talked about that uh, in, a, in a previous episode. He was, at some point, I think it was Andy actually. At some point in in his when he cha- when he switched from WWF to WCW, he became an angry grandpa. And I'm not <laughs> sure I'm not sure why that change took place. But Mean Gene is is in WCW is ugly pervy grandpa, and it's not it's not it's not great. It's not great. It's not. And I guess that's why the the mean is in his name, maybe, but they said to live <laughs> up to it, but man. So Mysterio heads to the ring. Heenan talks about Eric's crippling as Malenko enters. Uh, they continue to talk about Great American Bash as the match begins. Tony talks about the fever pitch of the crowd for this match while they are virtually silent. The referee for this match looks like Peter Dinklage's big slow brother. He really does. 
Okay. <laughs> Mysterio I... crotches Malenko on the top but gets kicked off. Uh, a big electric chair dropped by Malenko only gets a two count. He then starts stretching Mysterio out. A vicious powerbomb gets a two count for Malenko. More submissions, and Malenko tosses Mysterio to the floor. He follows but gets Irish whipped into the barricade to the surprise of the security guard standing there. <laughs> uh, Mysterio then hits a diving Hurricane Rana. Uh, sorry, diving Frankensteiner-like some, maneuver. Some kind of Frankensteiner. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the ring, and a sunset flip off the top gets a two for Mysterio. A victory roll gets a two for Mysterio. A reverse DDT that Tony calls an inverted bulldog gets a three count for Dean Malenko. i that out. <laughs> and he is still the WCW Cruiserweight Champion. Uh, and we go to replays. Again, perfectly decent match between these two guys. Oh, yeah. yeah nothing wrong with the actual match. The commentary was terrible, but... Is Sting is Sting using the Scorpion Death Drop at this point? I don't think he is because he's done it a couple times in matches, but they haven't called it. So I think okay. I, I think at this point I think I don't know if that doesn't come in until he's you know Crow Sting or what. But at this point it's it just, just it was the, so it's weird to me that said inverted bulldog. And, yeah, right. And I I reversed it. Go, what is an inverted bulldog? And I I thought maybe I looked away at the wrong second or. And three times in, it finally was like, no, they just don't know what an inverted DDT yeah, is. It's just a reverse DDT, yeah. Uh, Tony tells us that the world title match is next, and we get a promo from the Giant and Jimmy Hart. Enter Scott Steiner. When we come back from break, his ribs are taped beneath I, his singlet because of his... I dirt. do have a question about this ad here. Okay, okay. Is it the WCW magazine, or is it a different... Yes. What What is the magazine again? <laughs> And, and what's the news stand? A mazagine. <laughs> I'm not aware of these things. Well, kids, back in the 90s, <laughs> it was like a book. Now, okay, now hang on. A book is... <laughs> well, Where do they come up with this stuff? Uh, it's the same fucking commercial every month, by the way. Uh, is it really? It is. Just, just The kid turns into Sting, and then Sting turns into the kid... Uh, and then there, in the middle, there's promotion for photos of something that happened two months ago. <laughs> uh, enter Scott Steiner when we come back from break. His ribs are taped beneath his singlet. Enter the Giant as Tony pimps the Northeast Tour again, where they straight up invade WWF territory. Does Steiner, um, does his music actually say Steinomite? <laughs> there's been, there's actually been a debate about this, what the actual lyric is. It's uh, Steinerized. You'll get Steinerized. That's better than Steinomite. Steinomite. Um, but that's I don't mind slightly it. better. I don't mind it. <laughs> Why is my name Florida? Um, <laughs> seriously, the theater at Madison Square Garden. That's that takes some fucking guts on there on on, on WCW's part, um, especially when they're doing the outsiders angle at the same time. Right. Exactly. Uh, Scott tries to body slam the giant with injured ribs because he is a moron. Uh, Giant then proceeds to just destroy Scott in the ring, out of the ring, just beating him up. Uh, we come back from break, and they're still outside the ring, so Nick Patrick being very lax with the 10 count tonight. Uh, we finally get back into the ring, and Giant puts a chin lock on. Steiner elbows Giant, and Giant just strikes him down. A double leg drop to the gut of Steiner, into the corner, and some shoulder blocks into the gut. Scott eventually manages to suplex Giant, and Bobby Heenan explodes uh, he gets yeah, a two count it, off of that. Sorry. And I guess it's a modern thing where I'm I'm just numb to the oh my god they picked up the giants. Like, yeah, well, a lot of people have done it. <laughs> uh, yeah, a wooden chair ends up in the ring somehow. How is that not a DQ? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Talk about Nick Patrick being lax. Yeah. Scott eventually explodes this chair over the giant's shoulder. By the way, WCW big on wooden chairs. Uh, giant no sells it, of course. Choke slams Scott and retains his title. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know how the match continued after the chair shot, but what are you gonna do? Uh, we then get another playing of the same Glacier promo from before. Yay. This was a bad time to be a silly Mortal Kombat ripoff at the NWO <laughs> about to start. Yeah, kind of. It was um, like, man, you did, the, you did this a year ago. You might have a career. Yeah. I mean, a year before this, you know, do it 94, 95. It might have worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As for, as for the match itself, uh, Steiner versus the Giant was... All right. Again, it was, it was standard big guy stuff. Yeah. Uh, back from break, Gene in the aisle. It's time to find out who will be on Team WCW at Bash at the Beach. He says he just came out of high-level meetings with WCW officials backstage. So, what? Why? <laughs> what? Anyway, they're having the meeting, Gorilla. Yeah, during whatever. Uh, Gene calls them outsiders twice more, really driving that point home. Uh, Gene says, earlier uh, earlier in the week, despite it being Monday, these six names were chosen. Uh, he then names the six men in consideration for Bash at the Beach. It's Hogan, Giant, Flair, Luger, Sting, and Savage. Those are your six. The three finalists were apparently drawn at random for the biggest fucking fight in WCW history. <laughs> draw, whatever. Uh, our Luger, Sting, and Savage. So that will be your team at Bash at the Beach. Uh, this was so poorly booked. Like, I, I don't know why they wouldn't have like given us a six due to stats a week ahead of time, and then actually make it a tumbler drawing or something in the ring a week later or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why? Why have Mean Gene walk out, ramble off six guys, and then ramble off three of those six guys? I don't, I don't, I don't think they would have been able to push it out another week because they are last last week on Nitro they promised that they would announce it at the Great American Bash. No, and, but I mean they could have started a week sooner, eh. and or even even if they told us at the beginning of the show these are our six contenders, and then as the main event at the end of the show, you know had a tumbler, had all six of them standing there, whatever. It's just really weird that he walks out, reads off six names, and then tells us half of those names again. <laughs> it's paste funny. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Gene throws it back to the booth. Heenan defends the Outsiders by making a Kuwait reference as we go off the air. Um, yeah, that was, that was strange. Um, odd, odd last line by Heenan there, but overall, another decent Nitro. There were some matches in here that certainly could have been left off the final draft, but some fairly decent matches made up for that. Uh, I'm kind of going to go with a dark horse here and say if you watch anything, uh, make it the Horsemen versus the American Males. Um, as we talked about uh, you know, earlier, Martin talked on his episode about being a Buff Bagwell apologist, but I personally think that <laughs> he, he really shined in that match. What do you think? Well, he's definitely better than his partner, uh, jacked up Vince Russo. Okay. You can... That's, I mean, that's just what he looked I, Who was his partner? Who's Scott, the other American male? Scotty Riggs. Scotty Riggs. Okay. Um, I barely remember American males. So that's, <laughs> I swore to God. That's, that was what came to my mind is he looks like Vince Russo with muscles. Okay. <laughs> I, I make weird 
I make weird uh, connections sometimes, but you know, he's got the same beard, the long, scraggly dark hair. It, that's just what I called him because I didn't know his name. Over on Cage Match, this episode of Nitro has a 5.5 out of 10 and pulled in a 3.4 TV rating. Uh, so not too that bad. That still seems awful high. <laughs> Are you watching Nitro through shit-colored glasses, Bill? You know, I really don't didn't think I was. <laughs> I thought, hey, nostalgia, a bunch of old wrestlers that would be really good at the time. and No, oh mm. man. But I was not watching, much like you, I was not watching much uh, WCW at the time. All right. Meanwhile, over on Raw, which is now three weeks old from Fayetteville, North Carolina, it is the go-home show for the 1996 King of the Ring pay-per-view. Steve Austin pins Savio Vega in their King of the Ring quarterfinal match. A quick recap of Mankind's feud with The Undertaker leads to a brief Undertaker promo. Jake Roberts DDTs Justin Hawk Bradshaw in the Sega Saturn Slam of the Week. Uh, we get an RIP card for Dick Murdoch. Mark Marrow pins Owen Hart in their quarterfinal match and then gets KO'd by Owen's cast. Jim Ross then enters the British Bulldog somewhere completely different until Shawn Michaels attacks. Jerry Lawler then beats up Aldo Montoya. Brian Pillman recently signed his WWF contract at a press conference at Titan Tower. Howard Finkel is in the crowd wearing a short sleeve button-down shirt. Goldust pins Jake the Snake Roberts. For some reason, Harvey Whippleman is the referee here. I don't remember that being an angle. Harvey they talked then, about it. Was it? They talked about that being an angle. Like they're like, oh yeah, this is the second time being a ref, and he's doing a good job. Or yeah. I don't actually watch the matches. I just skip to the end. <laughs> uh, Harvey then reverses his decision when he notices uh, gold dust all over Jake's. There's no way to phrase that where it doesn't sound gross. Uh, Mr. Perfect. Well, earlier, Lawler got away with saying that Goldust needs to come out and give Mark Merrow mouth-to-mouth insemination. So <laughs> Yes. Oh, God. Uh, mouth-to-mouth insemination. Resuscit- artificial is <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, also, Goldust, not, a good, not good at aiming that, uh, that gold dust at all, because if he was trying to hit the eyes, it was really all in the mouth. So I kind of feel bad for Jake, actually, on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Perfect then interviews James E. Cornette about the special referee for the WWF title rematch on Sunday, as announced last week. Turns out that that special referee is Mr. Perfect. Uh, so which of, these, uh, which of these episodes would you rather have watched? You know, honestly, I think I would have rather watched Raw. Well, I did. I watched both of them. Um, Raw was was more interesting, and it was shorter, so that helped. Yeah, it is. It is only. It is still only an hour at this point. So, <clears throat> I mean, you uh, got Savio Vega versus Stone Cold. I mean, you got Stone Cold at least. Um, Owen Hart's great, and uh, you know, getting to see Jake the Snake and Goldust. It. It's definitely a, uh, a who's who instead of a who cares, went to be a <laughs> big cliche. Yeah. Uh, all right. This, this episode of Raw actually had a 5.4 on Cage Match, so slightly less uh, well-received on that website, at least, and is back to its typical 2.3 TV rating. Um, and that's it, really, for this episode of Nitromania. Bill, my friend, thank you for joining me, As uh, of course. Tell people where they, they can find you on the Internet. Well, the two main places to find me are um, Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. Uh, you can find us over at Quest End, along with uh, 
The Rundown and Nitromania and plenty of other good shows. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't watch anime, but I do enjoy uh, I do enjoy tuning Japanese just because uh, I know the three of you guys and you guys are all you know good friends and just fucking. It's a funny show. It, it's a it's a funny show for me to listen to, even though I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Thank you. That's uh, that's kind of what I, I don't know what's going on most of the time. <laughs> I'm the not anime fan of the group, so and, and that's why there's podcast juice. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and you can actually find us directly at tuningjapanese.com. And you can also find me at billlittle1982 um, on Instagram. Uh, that's kind of a little side project I do with uh, kind of an online toy museum. Yeah, there's all kinds of pictures there, all kinds of Transformers and different uh, action figures and something. Yeah, like Transformers that. are kind of my, my main thing. But, yeah, there's Power Rangers and Kamen Rider and... A bunch of other random things. Something today called the durian. Well, it, uh, a durian is actually a fruit. Yeah, I knew that, I knew that part. I, knew, so I figured that was the reference. Sp- yep, yep. Spiky, uh, this is spiky-headed, bug-looking motherfucker. Yep. Um, <laughs> the it's a uh, common writer is a show in Japan. Um, it's kind of like Power Rangers. Been on since the late seventies. This particular gimmick, this season, Common Rider Gaim, the whole gimmick is these people have big mechanical fruit they put on their heads to become armor and arm and uh, arms, you know, the, the weaponry. So, yeah, that was uh, Common Rider uh, Bravo with his durian arms. Okay. Um, and we, I mentioned at the top of the show you, you texted me the random jokes. I sincerely appreciated the one that you sent me earlier uh, yesterday yesterday morning. Uh, I laughed. My wife didn't find it as funny as I did. Do you, do you, do you want to read that or shall I? Uh, by, by all means, be my guest. This is, this is just the kind of shit that just randomly appears on my phone from time to time. A woman is sitting at her deceased husband's funeral. A man leans into her and asks, do you mind if I say a word? No, go right ahead, replies the woman. The man stands, clears his throat, throat) says, plethora, and sits back down. Thanks, said the woman. That means a lot. <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that. I, I, I just I busted out laughing. It was fantastic. Uh, My wife was also not impressed with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the lives we lead. Um, yeah, so you can check out Tuning Japanese and all kinds of other podcasts on questandnetwork.com. Like Bill said, tuningjapanese.com. There's a Patreon over there. You can go and support them as well. Uh, we have a Patreon. I'll get to that in a moment. You can find me on Twitter at Rundown Podcast or send an email to uh, not Rundown. I kind of look at me writing my notes fucking wrong. Nitromania Pod <laughs> at Nitromania Pod. N I T R O M A N I A P O D. Rundown Podcast is for the regular show. Or send an email to nitromaniapod at gmail.com. If you want to see me live and in person, you can do that by coming out to A Nightmare on Bow Street next Saturday, April 28th at the Beverly Salem Lodge of Elks in Beverly, Massachusetts. Uh, if you like what you hear and you want to help us out, you can make a one-time donation by going to paypal.me slash rundownwrestling or set up a monthly donation by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. Five bucks a month gets you bonus episodes and early access. Uh, Ten bucks a month gets you all that, plus the opportunity to guest host on the Rundown show of your choice outside of the sit-down. All donations are greatly appreciated, and all proceeds go directly back into the show. So, Bill, unless you have anything else to add. I don't think I do. Okay. Uh, That does it for this week. 
and I will be back next week with another jam-packed episode of Nitro Mania. I'm not doing bye-bye. I got this. <laughs>